Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible, go with me to uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. This, the monitors sound great down here. Can y'all hear me out there? Okay, good. 1 Kings 17, I've been preaching a, uh, you know, I, tr- I try to do series, but that's always funny when I try to do series. I'm just not very good at them. Um, but we've been doing a series about uh, breaking the cycle. I'm not going to teach on that this morning. I've, I feel like I've got a specific word for our house um, this morning that is important for where we are and important for where we going at, for where, for where we going, for where we're going and, uh, turn to first Kings 17. And then when you get there, say, go Vols, glory to God. The devil is a liar. Uh, revival is breaking out in Knoxville, Tennessee. Glory to God. First Kings, uh, Chapter 17, I don't have a real polished uh, outline for you. I really don't. Um, I've just got something in my heart that, that I've got to get out. Is that all right? Is that all right? First Kings chapter 17, I'm going to start reading with verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word, he's prophesying a drought. He's prophesying a drought. There's not going to be any dew. There's not going to be any rain. All the water is going to dry up for years, according to my word. It's not going to rain again until I tell it to rain. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Elijah, get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. I can't believe I'm asking this. Brandon, can you turn the monitors down just a touch? I cannot believe I'm asking that. I'm getting on my own nerves. And it, came, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It's interesting that ravens brought him bread and flesh to eat because ravens are flesh-eating birds. You can think about that later. And it came to pass, verse 7, after a while, this is the line I want you to pay attention to, that the brook dried up. Everybody say, the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Imagine that. He prophesied himself into a problem. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and get to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Look at verse 7 again. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, get to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. Amen and amen. I want to preach on the subject this morning that it's time to move to the next level. Am I by myself? It's time to move to the next level. When I was uh, in my teens, back in the 90s, 
um, the greatest time to be a teenager ever. Um, that's what our generation needs. You need Saved by the Bell in your life. And you need Urkel. And you need Trapper Keepers. And Tamagotchis and Slap Bracelets. I saw a kid the other day with a slap bracelet on that had this rubber thing around it. I was like, that's not a slap bracelet. A slap bracelet is made out of metal, and every time you put it on, you almost cut your wrist. That's what a slap bracelet is like. You hear what I'm saying? Y'all remember the days when we didn't have seatbelt laws, and you used to sleep in the back glass? And when parents slammed on the brakes, you flew forward, but you made it anyway. Remember that? Um, when I was uh, in my teens, I, I was really going after God. I was seeking God. And uh, the Brownsville Revival, if you're not familiar with that, you can look it up online. But the Brownsville Revival had started to break out, this great move of God happening in Florida. <coughs> and um, <clears throat> went on for several years. They said it's the greatest revival ever in the history of America. Absolutely incredible. Um, I've actually had the opportunity to preach there a few times since then. There were four million people in five years that came through there. Over a million people saved. Absolutely outrageous what God did there. But during that season of revival, y'all remember that time? Y'all, some of y'all wasn't serving God in that time where he is fine. But some of y'all were serving God during that time. Y'all remember that? And there was a book that came out. It was a real popular book. And as soon as it came out, they sold like millions of copies. It was a book called The God Chasers. Y'all remember that book? Did anybody in here read that book? Yeah, six of you. Good. Praise God. And uh, I remember this book came out, and everybody was talking about, you got to get this book, you got to get this book, you got to get this book. So I bought the book. And again, I was a teenager, and I read about halfway through. And you ever, you, ever, uh, you ever have God speak something to you so profoundly, like through a book or through, through a song or something, that you cannot put it down? I was just reading. I was, I was devouring this book. I was reading it. I got about halfway through it in about a day and a half. And then a, my best friend in the world came and to my, over to my house, and he saw it, and he wanted to borrow it. And so I let him borrow it, and I never saw it again. That's a whole other message. Jesus has done a work in my heart toward that. But about a year later, I ended up having to buy another copy. I, I bought the first copy, and I could not put it down. I was reading it. I was, I was devouring it. I was eating it. it was, I would read it, and I would weep. I would read a page, and it would drive me to my face. That's when you knew you got a good book in your hands. When, not when you're sitting there with your coffee out on the porch, but I'm talking about when you're in the prayer closet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it would drive me to a place of prayer and seeking God for revival, purifying my heart. And then, then it got taken away from me for about a year. I went and bought another one. I could I was so excited to jump back in it. And then when I jumped back in it, I was trying to read it again. It wasn't having the same effect. You ever had that happen to you? It wasn't having the same impact because I wasn't there anymore. I wasn't at that place anymore. It's interesting that we all develop an affinity for the things that God has used to touch us. Right, Our favorite songs are the songs that God used to touch us. Right, If we play a song today that touched you 10 years ago, you will weep. That's your favorite song. The people that sang that song, they're dead and they're in heaven now, but it doesn't matter anymore. That's your favorite song because God used it to touch you or that's your favorite book. And then all the songs that God didn't use to touch you, we don't care about those. Right, We don't even know why Pastor Casey lets them sing that. Y'all know what I'm saying? Because what you need to do is you need to do this one. We develop an affinity for the things that God used us, that God used to touch us. But if we ever want to go deep in God, we have to, God has to break our grip off of the things that he used to touch us. And we have to wrap our grip around him instead of it. We find Elijah in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 17. He prophesies a drought and then God has a place prepared to feed him for a season. 
God is going to use a brook and some ravens to feed him for a season. And then he goes to the brook and he is drinking and eating from the brook for a season. But then the brook dries up. This is what it, this is what we have to know about God is that God will use different things at different stages of your life to feed you in different ways. But if God ever sees that we start to embrace it rather than him, God will strip it from us because God does not want us codependent on it. He wants us codependent on him. It is one thing to appreciate what God used to touch you. It is another thing to idolize what God used to touch you. You hear what I'm saying? And I believe that this is where we are as a church. There are some things that we've been doing for the last eight months that for me, and I bet for you, they are starting to dry up. They did a work for us. They served their purpose for a season, but now God's breaking our grip off of it, and he's saying it's time for you as a church. It's time for you to go to another level. And I'm not just talking to us as a group. I'm talking to you as an individual. It's time for your prayer life to go deeper. I know you've been seeking God and serving God and doing your thing, but what if God, what if you turned it up just another step? What if you turned it up just another degree? What if you went just a step deeper? Because we have this Christianity that works with our American life and we never hear God say, you are required to go further. You got to cut me down to the monitors. I'm killing myself. We we get comfortable in our season. We get comfortable in our devotional life. I pray this amount of time a day. Well, we, get, we got our schedules, right? We wake up in, the, if you're really disciplined, this is, this is be my ideal schedule. You wake up in the morning. You go work out. We know that ain't happening. Go eat a healthy breakfast. We know that ain't happening take the kids to school, come home, spend some time with a wife, go get along with God and prepare for the week, and then have a healthy lunch. That's not happening. And then we have our meetings in the afternoon, and then we just tie it up at the end of the night, and we develop our lives. We build our lives the way we want our lives to look, and then we try to fit into the holes in what empty time slots we have our time with God. Right? And if I have 20 minutes, oh, that'll be my Bible study time. But anything can take me away from that. I mean, I need to go get along with God, but I also need to get the oil changed in the truck. So I think I'll go get the oil changed in the truck because we have a walk with God that serves us at this level. But when God speaks to you and says, I'm trying to take you to a deeper level, I hate to break it to you, but he will interrupt your entire routine. What if intercession took over your workout time and your TV time? Y'all ain't, ain't nobody helped me this morning. What if intercession took over your football time and your hangout time and your video game time and your surfing the internet time? When God wants you to go to a different level, he's going to require more of you at that level than he does at this one. We all, listen, we all, I talk to people all the time. I talk to people all the time. God's going to send revival in Knoxville. We want God to send revival in Knoxville. Oh, God, send revival, send revival, send revival. Where is the revival? Revival is on the other side of the church making a greater consecration. No, 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 no. Revival is on the other side of the church making a greater consecration than we have. This is what I came to tell you. Your prayer life as it is right now, I think it's wonderful, and he wants more. 
The outreach that we're doing as a church right now is great. He wants more. The spirit of worship in this house is wonderful. He wants more. That 15 minutes of Bible study that you could devote three days a week, I think that is awesome. I think that is a wonderful starting point. But you cannot stay there forever because that brook will dry up and he's trying to move you to the next phase and the next season where he can feed you at a deeper level than he's feeding you at this level. I believe there are some brooks drying up in your life and some brooks drying up in my life as God's going to force us to move to another dimension. Is there anybody with me? I'm trying, man. I'm trying to, you know, saying, come on, I'm trying. We idolize. You, you, if, if I really sat down with you to talk to you about what God did in your life, if we have to point to some period in your past, we're missing it. That's one of the people, I've said this before, that's one of the people that are usually the most passionate about Jesus are the ones that have known God for six months or less. You want to see somebody worship, get a crackhead in church that's been saved three days and still smells like crack. Come on. Come on. I got to clap for myself. Right? I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to take these chairs out, make people stand. Because everybody's like, I want it. That's good. Oh, that's good. When this thing was supposed to increase and the fire was not supposed to grow. It breaks my heart. I have old preachers. I'll go preach at places. I preached at a place this week. I'll have old preachers come up to me and they'll say, boy, you sure are excited. Right? <laughs> They've been in ministry longer. I've been alive. They're like, boy, that's good. They're like, I remember when I was your age and I was fired up. I don't say, well, what happened? That wasn't supposed to dim in you. That wasn't supposed to lessen on the inside of you. I do not understand Christians that the longer we are in this thing, the less passionate we become. The way it is supposed to work is the more we are in this thing, the hotter the fire is supposed to burn and the brighter the fire is supposed to burn and the more passionate the fire is supposed to burn. I'm telling this church that God is requiring more of us in this season so he can take us to a deeper level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody's talking about, well, when are we going to grow? Oh, we want to grow. We want to grow. We want to grow. We want to grow. Oh, we want to grow. We want to grow. More people, more people, more services, more services, more campuses, more campuses. Why? Why? So we can look like every other church and say, oh, we do two services. Glory to be. I've, I've preached at those services. I've preached. I've preached four services on a Sunday and none of them were full. Why? Because we got to look the part. I call it big hat, no cattle. We got to look the part. Eight campuses holding 20 people apiece. Because we got to look like we're going, got to look like we're growing, got to look like we're growing. But if we will go get before God and let the fire of God burn on the inside of us, if we will make sure that in this theater, if we will make sure that this room for two hours on a Sunday becomes a sanctuary where the presence of God can dwell. And if you're cutting yourself, come to church and be set free. And if you're bound by depression, come to church and be set free. Oh, they can watch whatever they want to after it's over. But for two hours, this is going to be a tabernacle with the presence and the glory of God. Is anybody with me this morning? This doesn't become a sanctuary only based on my prayer life. It becomes a sanctuary based on our prayer life. 
Leaders are not called to tend to fires. They're only called to start them and then look at the church and say, will you help me keep the fire on the altar and make sure that it never goes out? It's time to go to another level, man. I've been telling, I've been telling, I've been preaching it for weeks. We are not where we are going. And I've tried to be patient. And I've tried to be loving. And I've tried to be pastoral. And I've tried to be kind. And I've tried to order time restraint, uh, uh, honor time restraints and all of the stuff. I've tried. But I am telling you, the brook is drying up and God is asking for more. To the degree that we allow God access into our world is the degree that we get access into his world. Everybody prays, oh, I want more of God. I want more of God. And God would respond, you got to give me more of you first. You can't have all of me and me have two hours of you. Three times a month. Did you feel that? Did you feel it get real weird in here all of a sudden? Now you're meddling, preacher. You ain't even preaching. Now you're just getting annoying. We honor the seasons we were in. Let me say something. If you got filled with the Holy Ghost 20 years ago and spoke in tongues and fell out, I think that's wonderful. When was the last time that happened? Right? Because just because you got filled with the Holy Ghost then doesn't mean you're filled now. Just because you prayed a prayer at 14 at youth camp, 15, 16, 25, 30 years ago, to give your heart right, to get your heart right with God, doesn't mean it's right now. You hear what I'm saying? That's why I said, give me this day my daily bread. That's why man does not live by, on every word that proceeded out of God's mouth. Man has to live on the word that is right now proceeding out of God's mouth. The scripture did not say, let him that has an ear hear what the spirit said to the church. It says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. He has something to say to us right now, and it's this. We got to go to another level. You hear what I'm saying? Because the brook will dry up. These are the two great idolatries of the Church of America today, the two great idolatries in the Church of America. Number one, we do too many good things God never told us to do. Okay? We do too many good things God never told us to do. Multiple services, planting campuses, doing all this stuff, God never told us to do that. We just got to look like everybody else. We got to look like everybody else. I could say some... Oh, man. When I can walk in eight churches and they're all preaching the same thing because they downloaded it from the same website... Moving right along. (laughs) Number one, we do too many good things God never told us to do. Number two, we do what God did tell us to do too long. And we're unwilling to move. Let me say it to you this way. Amazing Grace used to be a new song. Now it's an old song. And the season you're in right now, even though it's ministering to you, God will see to it that it dries up. We have created in the church a culture of codependency. 
We want, we want church members codependent upon leaders, and church members want leaders who need codependency in return. This is why. Because as long as I build a church that's codependent upon me, I will always have job security. And as long as the church has a leader that is insecure and needs codependency, then you will never have anything required of you because I will be the one to teach you the Bible, and I will be the one to schedule your prayer meetings, and I will be the one to schedule your evangelistic outreach, and I'll be the one to schedule your community is it, is it was it weird in here as well is it weird is it weird in here that's what we want from leaders we want you 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 tell me pastor you tell like i get asked this question all the time on on, on instagram right you ready for this don't, I'm, I don't freak out breathe people ask me stuff like this is harry potter right or wrong Hey, <laughs> and no matter what I say, somebody's going to hate me after I get done saying it. Somebody's going to talk about, I don't know, unbelievable. Somebody asked me on Instagram one time, what's your favorite verse? I said, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite verse. Somebody messaged me back, what kind of preacher does not have a favorite verse? How am I even following you? So, who are you? What is your, you need Man, man. So we want codependency. Is it right or wrong? Is it right or wrong? Why don't you go ask the Holy Ghost? Because, listen, we say we don't want legalism, but we do. We want a leader, instead of having to go get before God, and work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we want a leader to stand up like a judge and say, this is right and this is wrong and this is good and this is bad. Leader, is it okay? Oh, here we go. Is it okay if you're a Christian to drink alcohol? Why don't you go ask the Holy Ghost whether or not it's right? Because there's some things that are wrong for me that might be okay for you and vice versa. There's some covenant. Now, nah, don't drink. Don't go freak out. <clears throat> okay, stop. But there are some things, there are some covenants that you have to have just between you and God. Why don't you go ask the Holy Ghost what's right and what's wrong? Why, why don't we build a culture that instead of us being codependent upon our favorite brand of church, we need leaders that say, you can listen to me, but you can follow him. It's like John the Baptist. They heard John, but they followed Jesus. I am here to do one thing and one thing only. I am here to tell you about another man that you're supposed to fall in love with. That'll be your husband, and that'll be your best friend, and that'll be your helper, and that'll be your guide. You, you, remember, you remember when they went to get Isaac's wife? You remember when Isaac sent his servant to get his wife and his servant had to go pick out a woman and the entire time she's, he's bringing her back, all he's doing is telling her about another man. And instead of telling you about, oh, come to our church, we do this, we do that, we are awesome, we are great, come to our church, don't you love our brand of church? This is what I came to do, I came to tell you about him. I don't want you to fall in love with Hope Unlimited Church. I want you to fall in love with him. I don't want you wearing a t-shirt that says, I love my church. Although I hope you enjoy coming to church here. I want you to wear a t-shirt that says, I love my God. I love Jesus. I burn in the Holy Ghost. Because God will break our codependency. The entire purpose of the fivefold ministry is not to create codependency on you. It is to equip you. The role of an evangelist is not to do all of your evangelism for you. 
It is to teach you how to be evangelistic. A prophet is not designed to give you a word. A prophet is designed to give you an ear to hear. Because they are to equip you. You hearing what I'm saying? An apostle is not designed or a teacher is not designed to do all the Bible teaching for you. So you can come, write down some notes, put some money in the offering and say glory to God. A teacher is designed to teach you how to get in that book all by yourself. So you don't need my teaching tapes to go somewhere deep in God because I've handed you the tools that you need and you can go as deep as you want, as often as you want. Because there are going to be some times where you can't get pastor on the phone. And there are going to be some times where you're not having a group meeting. And you can't call somebody. And you'll have a devil to fight all by yourself. And you better have a walk with God significant enough to fight the fight completely, completely free from everybody else's involvement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are some brooks drying up. There's some brooks drying up. I don't want to look like this. We're, we're what, nine months old? I don't want to look like this in nine more months. Right, we're, not, we're not going to look like this in nine more months. We're not going to do it. We're not going to be worshiping at the level that we're worshiping at in nine months. I'm going to see to it. I'm going to push us. You hearing what I'm saying? Aren't you tired of drive through church? Don't you want to come in somewhere and sit down and somebody push you? It's that God wants you to go deeper. God wants a deeper walk with you. God wants a deeper fire. God wants a deeper hunger. And then God can do greater things through you. It's amazing to me as a church that we we always ask these kind of questions. Where are the miracles? Where are the healings? I hear prophets all the time saying this. God's going to send miracles back to the church. No, he's not. Because God didn't take them from the church. God didn't take miracles from the church. We took prayer and holiness from God. Look, come back next week. I'll say something nice. I promise. God's going to send miracles back to Brother, where's the book of Acts? Where's the book of Acts demonstration? Where's the Peter walking? Do y'all not have these questions? Do y'all not? Oh, God. Do y'all not ever wonder? Is it, not, is it not heartbreaking when somebody comes in sick and you don't know if they're going to leave the same way they came? Because there's not enough of glory in our church that we know if you bring that into the presence of God, that's going to be broken in the presence of God. That if you want to keep that devil and you want to keep that problem, you better not get within 100 yards of the church because that will get broken. The reality is some of us would rather live with our dysfunction than our deliverance. Because when you get delivered, God requires stuff of us. As long as we're dysfunctional, we can say, well, I can't serve God like that because I got this. Well, I can't pray like that because I got this. And then when God sets you free, there is no more excuse. You remember when the maniac of Gadara got set free? Just say yes if you never read it. Just yes. Remember when he got set free? He was out in the tombs naked, howling at the moon, cutting himself. Jesus comes, sets him free. He is clothed, glory to God, in his right mind. And the people of the city said, Jesus, you need to leave. They would rather live with the devil than with a man that is delivered. (laughs) I could say something right now. Have you not ever asked the question when the Bible says that they bound him in fetters and chains and he kept breaking the fetters and chains? You not ever wondered who bound him in fetters and chains? 
The very same people that were supposed to have the power to set him free were the ones binding him because they knew we don't have enough of an anointing on our life to set him free. So the next step is we just got to make sure he stays away from us. Right? When we moved to Knoxville, it was my kids' first time to attend public school because they grew up in Christian private school their whole life. Then I decided, why would I keep them from something they were called to invade? I say, if you go to private school, I think that's awesome. Stop. Don't nobody, don't go off and get offended. Stop. But we want to, we want people to stay away from us because we don't have the answer. And then we walk around as though God is holding all of the goods from us. Where are the miracles? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? They're on the other side of our consecration. When was the last time you went to church and heard a good, some people never even use that term anymore, consecration. Yeah. Wow. It's not, it's bigger than church attendance. Right. Yeah. Or listening to your favorite preacher on YouTube on the drive to work, which I think is great and awesome. But consecration. Here's another good Bible term for us that we need to begin to embrace again. You ready? Sanctification. Here's another one, holiness. Here's another one, gossip is a sin. Now let me say it again, just in case I was not clear. Gossip is a sin. Backbiting and tail-bearing and tongue-wagging is a sin. And we have churches that divide over everything under the sun, and then we ask the question, where are the miracles? Really? Really? They're on the other side of us going to another level. There is a principle all through your Bible, and it's this. The greater your consecration, the greater the anointing. When I say it, y'all know what I mean when I say anointing. I don't, there are people in here from all different spectrums and backgrounds. I'm not sure that everybody even, that it's not wrong if you do. We need to teach that because that's a foreign concept. That doesn't get talked about in church anymore. You don't need an anointing anymore. just need lights. Right, You just need to do the right songs. Forget the anointing. If you've got the right songs and enough money and some cute people smiling at the front door, you got it. No, we need the anointing. We've traded the anointing for coffee. Huh? When I talk about the anointing, I'm talking about when you raise your hands and you feel something come on you and those tears stream down your cheeks. Oh, glory to God. I feel it on me right now. When was the last time God gripped you like that? When was the last time he woke you up early in the morning and gripped you and called you to prayer and you knew I've got work the next day, but I don't care. Because if I will go spend two hours alone with God, I will be more refreshed and energized than if I'd gotten 10 hours of sleep the night before. Y'all with me? Everybody's looking at me funny. Are you with me? This is what I mean when I say we've got to go to another level. We got to go to another level. Because I, I don't want us to I don't want us to create a church where people just love it because they've got good groups and their kids' environments are really cute and the worship is loud and the preacher is funny and incredibly handsome. I don't want that to be. That wasn't meant as a joke. 
I don't want that to be our hook. I don't want that to be our selling point. Because then we're everybody else. This is the selling point. You need something from God? Go to that house and be changed. Because they have a people, because they have a church there that burns for Jesus, not just for two hours on Sunday when the music's good. They've got a church that worships, not just on the last four minutes of the slow song, but they have a church that does it Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We have to go to another level. I told you I didn't have a polished outline for you. I can create sermon outlines. I've done it my whole life, and I'll have one for you next week. But today, this is what God's saying to us. We've got to go further. We've got to go further in passion. We've got to go further in sacrifice. Further in, oh dang, giving. Further in serving. Further in outreach. He's requiring more because this brook is drying up. Amen. You know, it's interesting when Elijah leaves Cherith. You guys can come on up. When Elijah leaves Cherith and he goes to the woman, the widow of Zarephath, your Bible says that God had commanded the next season of his life, he had prepared a new place for him to be fed. And so he leaves one place, steps into another place. There's a, there's a journey. There's a, walk, there's, there's a walk that you have to go through to get from this level to the next level. It's a journey. Sometimes the challenging part is when you're caught in between those two levels. When you're not comfortable with where you're at, but you've not fully stepped into where you're going. You know what I'm saying? Y- y'all remember... Y'all remember the, 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 the first time that you ever raised hands in a church service? You remember what a big sacrifice that was? And you were like hoping nobody saw? And you were scared to death? And it was awkward? And you were like... You didn't even know like all the charismatic posture, you know. You just... Right? The first time you jumped, you're like, (laughs) why people call that dancing in church? Brother Al, that's not dancing in church. That's sort of kind of jumping, but it's not dancing. (laughs) All of us uncoordinated white folk. (laughs) Need to take you to the black church and show you how to really praise him. I'm going to lead a small group where I'm going to teach you how to two-step. I know how. I'll teach you how to shoe dust. You know what that is? Y'all ain't ready. I told you we're going to another level. Scare white folk to death. They're like, oh, God. Do you remember what it was like the first time you raised hands in church? <clears throat> and it took you to another level? Because it was so costly and sacrificial, right? And then remember the first time you ever jumped and spun around? You're like, glory to God. You feel you're on fire. You're on fire. Remember that? 
And now that doesn't do it for you anymore because that brook dried up. Because the deeper in God you want to go, the more it's going to cost you. And this doesn't cost you anything anymore. And this doesn't cost you anything anymore. You want you me tell you how I, learned, how I learned to pray? This is how I, I think I told you all this. I learned to pray by shutting myself in an actual closet when I was a teenager. And thinking, I'm going to not allow my mind to think about anything else. I'm just going to pray as long as I can. And I went in that closet. I closed the door. And I started praying. Right? And I prayed and I prayed and I poured out my heart. It was, it was, it was my time clock at 9 p.m. That's when I go to prayer. I'm going to be a man of prayer. And I prayed and I prayed and I poured out my heart. And I thought, I have been in here probably two hours. I walked out. It was 9.03. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? And he's like, it's all right, because I'm coming back next week. Or I'm coming back tomorrow. I go in my prayer closet at 9 o'clock. Pray, oh God. 9.05. I'm growing. Next day, go in there, pray. 9.06. Baby steps. Go in there the next day, pray again. 9.02, I backslid. <laughs> right? I don't pray like that now, because that don't cost me anything now. And we have, we have reached a level where our sacrifice and the costliness of our walk with God is comfortable. I can live with going to church three times a week, three times a month, 15 minutes of worship, 30-minute sermon, give them my offering, and go home and not even think about God until next Sunday rolls around. We have developed that comfortable level of that we call it sacrifice. But I came to tell you, that's not costing us anything anymore. My mother-in-law says it this way. Where you stop is where you stop. And when we stop putting a knife to our flesh and sacrificing and being inconvenienced, that's when our progress in God stops. You remember in the Bible when David was bringing the ark back to Israel, and every six steps, he would have to sacrifice something. And then another six steps, he would have to sacrifice something. Then he is teaching us a principle that you can make some progress, and then God will stop you and say, are you willing to go deeper? Because if you're willing to go deeper, there's something else in your life you've got to cut. If you're wanting to go deeper, there's something else in your life you've got to sacrifice. And you can stop right here, but you're not all the way to your destination. Oh, you might have taken a few steps, and you might have made a couple of sacrifices, but it's time for us to go to the next level. I do not want to be here in another five years celebrating a brook that we used to drink from in our first six months. Stand up on your feet. Let me tell you something. I, I promise you next week I'll preach you a good sermon. I will, I promise. I, I, will, I will prepare extra this week just so you'll be happy next week. But you've taken some steps. And now we're faced with a decision, you and me individually and as a church. Do we want to stay here and do this? 
where everybody knows everybody and everybody loves everybody and you got your groups and you got your thing and you're doing this and you hang out around the coffee bar. And I love that stuff. I love seeing it. I love seeing our church people milling about out front, building relationships and building community. I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And we can, we can stay here. We can stay here. But when it starts to dry up, what are we going to do? Sit around an empty brook? Together and just talk about what could be and what Knoxville needs. And we need a move of God. And we need God to invade the city. And we need God to sweep all over. We need God to move in East Knoxville and North Knoxville and South Knoxville. And we for sure need God to move in West Knoxville. Is that what we want to do? Or do we want to hear God say to us this morning, I'm trying to take you deeper, but it's going to cost you more. It's going to cost you more. You want me to tell you why people love drive through church? Because it doesn't require anything. Amen? doesn't require anything. Bring that down just a little bit, Wes. It doesn't require anything. That's not why we're here. We're here to say, God, you turn us into everything you want us to be. And then you get your power, your kingdom, your glory through us into a broken city. Is there anybody with me this morning? Lift those hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.